everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. This is the show where we dig a little deeper to understand what really matters most in business. I'm your host, Dave Bookbinder. I'm a Senior Director of Evaluation Services at CFGI. One of the big challenges that businesses face is differentiating, standing out from the crowd, making sure that their brand message has resonance. And today we're going to be talking about that topic of strategic marketing with my special guest, Jerry Lance, who is the principal of Stories That Work. Jerry, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Well, thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. Uh, thanks for coming on board. So before we dive into the, the media issues, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your background? I know you grew up in the ad agency and in the ad agency world in New York, and, and how you got involved with the idea of starting your own practice. Um, it was an easy decision, actually, um, because for the first time in my life, I got laid off. Lost an account, and it never happened before. And uh, I was of such an age, and I'll be really frank about this, that uh, it's a very young person's business, so it would have been very, very difficult to get back in. I went back to the ad agency world as a consultant, but while I was doing that, it was really clear to me I wanted to establish a marketing and communications practice with B2B clients, business to business. Uh, that's where I really excel, and I apply all the business to consumer skills that I learned on Madison Avenue uh, to business to business clients. And uh, it's a little bit of a leap for most business to business clients. Yeah, and we're going to dive into storytelling and why that matters because everybody who's out there probably has read and, and seen videos on why storytelling is a differentiator. But I thought we might start with something that most of the folks in, in my world, and we'll call it the professional services world, tend to struggle with. As we meet with clients and prospects, we're all kind of wired to talk about our, our product, the features and benefits. And we're always taught to move towards the, the human aspect of it. Can you speak to that issue, the dichotomy of the features and benefits versus the sure. human component? It, it's actually the most important issue, I think, in business-to-business -business marketing. Most business-to-businesses -business say they recognize the human aspect of their brands, but they then turn around and list all their features, all their benefits. We do this, we do that, we do the other thing. And they think that they're talking about their customer. But what they've done is they've left the customer out. They put their features, benefits, and slap a price on it and hand over a proposal and say, want some? But that's not very distinguishing because then you're just in a competitive pricing environment. What you want to be is the brand that people want to affiliate with, that they want to work with, that they want to have around. Have you ever noticed in a sales call that they buy you before they buy what you're selling? Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. Same is true for B2B brands. So if you want to be bought like a commodity, uh, uh, then act like a commodity. But if you want to be differentiated and have a fully human brand, and that's what B2B companies leave out. I'd love to talk about that a little more. They leave out the humanity of their business-to-business -business brand. Well, let's talk about it then. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, there's just so many examples where the more successful brands are the ones that not only have what they do and how they do it, but their kind of ethic, who they are, how they operate, uh, their human side. And every brand has a human side, and you either fail to tap into it uh, or you tap into it in a big way. I mean, there's plenty of examples. Um, people have names that aren't understandable, for example. And how do you break through that? Well, then you have a wonderful line down beneath it, a tagline that actually says what they do. So you add clarity. But there's still a human dimension that needs to get tapped into. Can I give you a local example? Yeah, by all means. Well, there's a, a company up in uh, Pottstown 
uh, called Orbit Software. And Orbit Software has a software platform for school bus transit routing, transit routing for school buses. And it's called Bus Boss. It's a great name, great name. Uh, but if you just stayed with the features and benefits, it's not very distinguishing. And they had a line like um, school bus routing software for the 21st century. Well, that's pretty good. It says they're modern, but shouldn't technology be modern? You think. Right, that's kind of a given. So what's the deeper level? Well, in working with them and working on the persona of their targets and talking to all of them, uh, school bus drivers, uh, dispatchers, parents, school administrators, when we talked to all of those people who are their targets, they had one concern, Dave. And what's that? The kids in the bus. There the kids in the bus. And we wrote a tagline with their help because your precious cargo is the most important, is the most important thing. Yeah. They have to arrive safely. And their business has grown since they've adopted this new positioning. So it was more than just being about transportation management software, easy, affordable, uh, easy to install, easy to transfer over your, all your data, blah, 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 blah. It's because the kids in the bus are the most important thing. And that energized their brand. So their brand for, went from being just bus boss technology to bus boss, we care about your kids. And you know what? Even the most mundane business to business commodity, supplier, whatever, professional service can discover that human dimension to their brand if they really dig deep into their brand story. Yeah, so is that analogous to when Simon Sinek talks about the why and start with why? Is it the same thing or is there a difference there, Jerry? That's a very good question. Um, I think it goes, yes, the answer is yes. Of course it's the why. Why do you do what you do? But I think you have to tap into a memorable human character, a memorable human quality that's in your company that really, we were talking about it before, your experience in work. Those companies that had more human values inside, and if they communicate those outside as part of their brand, they have a richer, fuller, more memorable, uh, a better experience offering, if you can say that, uh, to their customers that is far more persuasive in the marketplace. Yeah. Jerry, for the folks who want to contact you to learn more, how's the best way they can get a cut and hold of you? Well, uh, I'm at www.storiesthatwork.com, www.storiesthatwork.com. Great. We have a couple of minutes left in this first segment, and you mentioned something about the brand experience. Can you define what that means? What, what do consumers look for, B2B, B2C, what have you? Well, the brand experience actually has to start with how you language it. Instead of saying what we do, you've got to go to the other end of the telescope. You've got to go to where the customer is. How would the customer describe the experience of working with you? Well, you're not going to know unless you ask them. But the best way to write a promise is to promise an experience. What is that experience? When I hired Dave Bookbinder, I felt, I experienced, I sensed a great deal of control that I didn't have before, and here's why, because he brought expertise. You notice how the here's why came second? Yeah. That's features and benefits came second. The brand experience came first, but it's in the customer's terms, not yours. That's the experience. Are there companies out there that are doing it particularly well that you can speak to? Well, there's some big ones that you can, uh, I think SAP, for example. Now, there's a classic example of just initials as a kind of company. Right. 
Um, do I got to run here? No, 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 we're good. Under some time pressure? We're good, we're good. They're, oh, okay. A couple minutes. Um, but they have a great line. The best run companies run SAP. Now let's think about that. The best run companies run SAP. Who is that about? It's about the user. It's the about customer. the user, the customer, exactly. And it complements them, right? Well, uh, you know, everybody knows enterprises use SAP, giant companies. Well, they had maxed that market out. They wanted to reach down to mid, small and mid-sized businesses and kind of buy software off the shelf. So I want to be a best-run company. I want to have a form of SAP that I can run to track my inventory, my sales, blah, 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 blah. So the best-run companies run SAP. That line has continued to grow, and over time, they've now even shortened it, but it's got even richer in meaning. Run better, run smoother, run faster, run more profitably. Yeah. But they complement the user. The best-run companies run SAP. It's aspirational, but it's also a compliment. Think about that. They've engaged me on a human level, and these are huge software packages. Yeah, and the name. So you mentioned, so SAP is three letters, and most people probably don't know what they stand for. So the tagline is critical, right? It is, exactly. So how important is it for the name of the company to actually depict what somebody does, for example? Uh, I think it's life and death, personally. So if you have a name that is a little bit gobbledygook or made up, um, then you have to explain it in the tagline. Okay. Uh, but let me give one to you, Iron Mountain. What does Iron Mountain do? Do you know? They're the recycling group, right? Yeah, they're a recycling group and they're a data storage company. Okay. And look at that name, Iron Mountain. Oh my God, I want my stuff in an Iron Mountain. Well, it's actually a founding story. They started out by storing stuff in an abandoned, I don't know, iron ore mine in a mountain, and I don't even know where. Now they're the world's leading data storage and recycle and all that kind of stuff, um, paper, the whole nine yards. But the name is an object. The name is an object that you can see and feel. That's the best place to be. Um, not In the B2B, it's difficult to go there. You can have a name that can be very expressive about where you want to go uh, and just merely suggest a quality. But again, if it's a little bit abstract or a generic noun, you've got to have a very crisp, clear tagline that anchors your brand in both function, and then if you're really, really good, you might have an extra line that says why people should work with you. Very good, I think that's a good spot for us to take our first commercial break. So Great. on that note, folks in the back, we're gonna take a quick pause here, pay a few bills, and we'll come right back, so don't go anywhere on Behind the Numbers. What do I want to be when I grow up? Maybe a musician? A veterinarian? Maybe an equestrian? A mommy? Well, why not be all these things and more? Consider joining me, Dr. V, with friends and colleagues as we explore a wide range of topics together. V is for Variety, here on RVN-TV. There you go, Richard. Oh, is that too hard for you? No, is it too hard for you? Woo! 
Ooh, we're playing catch now. <clears throat> oh, shit. should you choose Rowan College at Gloucester County? Low cost, the number one nursing program in all of New Jersey. More than 70 programs of study, including selective admissions, with record enrollment, a premier partnership with Rowan University, transfer options with numerous universities, four-year degree options on our campus, Rowan College at Gloucester County. Now you're thinking. I'm Dave Bookbinder. Today we're talking strategic marketing with my guest Jerry Lance, principal of Stories That Work. So Jerry, let, let's get into the name of your business, Stories That Work. Let's talk about storytelling. Uh, how do companies tell their story? How do individuals who are out there as brand ambassadors for their company tell stories that, that sell, that work, that are authentic? What's the, what's the secret? Well, there? let's apply it to the very act of selling itself. Well, the name Stories That Work is allows me a big broad umbrella brand stories that work selling stories that work culture stories that work uh, because stories are part of who we are in fact we were communicating with stories practically before we had language when we came out of caves we would act out our stories to communicate ideas and survival mm -hmm. um, let's selling is certainly a survival <laughs> exercise for most companies so let's talk about how we might apply story yeah so you go in, you're making your pitch, uh, it's going well, and they say, well, can you give me an example of how your software uh, methodology, your products and services work? Can you give me, you know, some, a proof? And most people might start off by going, well, we increased uh, net orders processed by 13% by implementing the following five strategies. Slide, 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 and people go to sleep versus something like this, we parachuted into a company that was just about to sink into an ocean of debt. Do you want to know what's going to happen? Yeah, it's more compelling yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's a headline. It's a, a trigger for wanting to know more. Let me give you a formula that is so simple to implement, and it's actually part and parcel to how we work. Um, but you can't tell people this, you just gotta um, say, give them a trigger, tell me a story, and then they will actually tell you a story. But here's a formula that can help them tell that story. A, B, C, D. Start an action, step back to tell a little of the backstory, who the people are, what the situation is, 
<clears throat> and then there's got to be conflict. There have to be stakes. What's at stake is the critical question in any story. No conflict, no story. Somebody has to want something. If they win, what do they get? If they lose, what do they suffer? Hopefully all your clients that you work with or I would work with get to win big so the stakes are rewarded. Um, and then finally, D, destination. Where did they go from there? What lessons did they learn? What's the new future? So let's start with one in action. It's called the Hollywood movie model, actually. Mm. So uh, I'm going to play out that story that I started. Um, God help me because I'm not in the business <laughs> of uh, saving people's financials. Um, but you start in action. We parachuted into this company, and they were about to drown in a sea of debt. The very next question is, well, who is it? What, were, what was going on? And you say, well, it was ABC Company, uh, and they had been buying way above their means in terms of facilities, plant, people, but they hadn't gotten the machine rolling yet enough to pay out all of those capital-intensive investments. We did the following. So there was the backstory. Yeah. Okay, you name the company, you name the situation they're in. So we started in action. Now we're at backstory. What's the conflict? They had about three months of runway left financially. So they either had to fix this in three months' time or die. Now I know the conflict, right? There's the stakes. Yeah. We did the following, and I, I can't make this stuff up. We readjusted their financials. We trimmed unnecessary expenses, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But better than that, we gave them a better sales program because sales cure everything. And we talk, you might want to talk about that. And then what happened at the final end? Where were they? Once they implemented that sales process, income and revenue started pouring in the front door, and they began to fix their entire process. And today, they now have a five-year plan, and they are more than surviving. They're thriving. In fact, they're number one in their category, and uh, we're continuing to work with them. Um, do you, would you have any questions about that client? So that's more engaging than the dry one that I started with. Action, backstory, conflict usually goes to some kind of climax, some kind of big turning point, right. and then destination. Where did they end up? And Great where stuff. will they go? Great stuff. It's Jerry, simple. Tell the audience how they can contact you if they want to learn more, if they'd like to work with you. Sure. Um, they can contact me at Jerry with a G. Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, at storiesthatwork.com. Jerry at storiesthatwork.com. And you can go to my website, which is storiesthatwork.com. In your story about the ABCD method, you alluded to people nodding off during a PowerPoint presentation. Oh, my and God, yes. Let's talk a little bit about death by PowerPoint for those people who feel that they need to do a pitch deck or have a leave behind. What's your advice for those types of situations? They can have a leave behind, and I think they should, number one. And number two, I'm willing to bet if you took the PowerPoint away from them and just said, get up there and tell them your stuff, all your methodology, and the results they're going to get, you could do it without one single slide. Or I'll give you one process slide. Other than that, you're on your own. You just got to talk it. That would cause you to look the people in the eye, not look at the darn slide, and present to them, relate to them as a human being. 
The problem is with PowerPoint is, is it drives your presentation when you should drive your presentation. It should just be a support to the points you're making to people. And you get, people think they've written their speech or their presentation once they've written their slides. No, what are you going to say to me? What are you going to reach out to me with? What story are you going to start with that makes me want to know the answer? What if you started your presentation with a story? You know, before we get into all the boring details about our process, we can make your business better. Can I tell you a story? Here's the story. We worked with a company whose name was completely not understandable. It was the founder's name and some gobbledygook. It was called Miller Felpax. Nobody knows what a Felpax is, but it was invented in 1947 by Rudy Miller. It's felt packing for railroad bearings under an engine. We renamed that company after we looked at their archetype that determined their values, that determined how they faced the market, and revealed to the marketplace the big secrets that were not known about them, that they were inventive, they were engineers, and they did design and they executed like crazy. But Miller Felpax hid that. We renamed them Miller Ingenuity because they were just ingenious in, in invention, engineering, and execution. Their business has continued to grow. They've acquired a company. They've even changed their positioning slightly to just to be about safety products. Safety starts here, but Miller Ingenuity remains. So I would start by telling that story. And I'd say, now what can we do with your name? What is it that you want to do with your name, your tagline? How we can energize it with a broader, deeper, richer, more human story. If it's clear what you do functionally, Let's make it clear what they get emotionally, psychologically. Maybe it's cynics why, I don't know. Yeah. But it's more powerful and engaging than just dry old facts and figures. Jerry, we've got about three minutes to go. And there's something that I want to bring up here. We talked about this during the break. Um, when you talk about how you assess the competitive landscape, every company wants to be different. They want to differentiate. They want to stand out. Are companies, in your experience, really doing the deep dive and understanding the competitive landscape and really understanding those competitive differences and articulating them? They do from a business plan standpoint and operational standpoint has been my experience. But I haven't seen, especially in that mid-cap range, people who are doing a disciplined job of mapping the competitive brand stories. Do you want to share a secret or two on what companies should do in that regard? Well, uh, there's, uh, it's just gut-busting work. You have to name, tagline, what are they offering on their website? How do they phrase it? Does everything start with we? Or is it about the customer, what the customer gets? And then you have to grit it out saying, what are the key benefits? Where do they stand on delivery? Where do we stand on delivery? And what's the energizing story behind our stuff that stands out from their stuff. There may be gaps in the marketplace. Uh, in Bus Boss, for example, the words precious cargo were not used in the category at all except one competitor. We looked at all the competitors in the 15th page of their website, down in some body copy, had the words precious cargo. And I knew that that emotional language was free for us to claim and own and drive. And they still have it. I must have worked with them five and a half years ago now. 
So by looking at all the competitors, we found language that wasn't available. And by the way, the language came out of here. Mm -hmm. It had to do with putting my baby daughter in the car with her grandparents and saying, be very careful, she's precious cargo. That was the insight. So I quick looked at the competitive map, looked at everybody's website and said, that language is available to us. Let's drive on that. And it's human, warm, it's on their website, and they depict kids getting off the bus into parents' arms. Yep. That drives success. So, I don't know if we're going to have enough time to go deep in this, but I want to just at least ask the question for those folks that are in legal accounting, the so-called commodity type services, what, what can they do? What can we do to, to stand out? I knew you were going to ask me this at the very end, and we could do a whole show on this. I know it wasn't fair. No, but, oh my God, they're not going to want to do Dump the names. Dump the whatever, whatever, and whatever ink. Right. You know, or if you have to have all those names, it's important to have the names on the door, then give me some kind of positioning driving tagline to your company that doesn't just say uh, evaluation services or uh, legal for legal services for whatever, whatever. Right. Give me that other reason that is differentiating. And that takes a deep dive into the character of the people in the firm and the playback that you get from your customers. That takes a lot of homework. You have to go find and discover those nuggets. So there's no simple answer to that question. But if you're doing what everybody else is doing, stop and start finding the refreshing point of view that you actually offer to the marketplace. And then state it in normal human language, not industry blah, blah. Whew, that sounded so critical. But that's what I would tell them to do. That's what I would work with them on doing. Yeah, well said. So uh, if you're watching and that resonates, make sure you get a hold of Jerry. Jerry, I think that's a great place to wrap. So thank you so much for spending well, time you. with me today on Behind the Numbers. My guest was Jerry Lance, principal of Stories That Work. And uh, until next time, you take care. We'll see you next week on Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder.